This morning, I want to tell you a story about the end of the world. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? <laughs> Imagine, if you will, a place way out west in our nation, a place that feels ancient and storied. Its very existence runs deep into the marrow of our world. It is a place of contrast, a place that shows us what could be in this world, abundance or desolation, though it doesn't tell you which is which. For you see, while this place has no earthly address you or I could ever know, it is the exact point where the Great Plains and the Badlands meet. Some of you might be imagining home, those of you from Wyoming, or a favorite place you visited. You might just imagine how truly out west the sky indeed opens up and indeed feels bigger. A great blue vastness above cracked earth or sprawling prairie. It is said that in this place where the great plains and badlands meet, there's a cave, a deep cave. But it's cozy, homey, inviting, as much as any cave can be. And we will never find such a cave. No matter how hard we look, even now with all of our highways, cars, planes, helicopters, even now with tourists visiting such places, no, we will never find such a cave. But within this cave, there lives an old woman. She's thousands of years old, perhaps even older. Her skin carries wrinkles as deep as the shell of a walnut. She is dressed in raw hide the traditional dress of her people, the Lakota. And she has been sitting there in that cave for thousands of years, working. There she sits, working on a blanket strip for a buffalo robe. She is making this beautiful, ornate strip out of dried porcupine quills, the way her ancestors did before Europeans came to Turtle Island, this nation, and traded in beads and gems. Resting beside her, often licking his paws and always watching her in some way, is a huge black dog whose name is Shunkasapa. His eyes never let the old woman out of his sight. The dog notices how her teeth are worn down to nubs because she has had to chew and flatten so many porcupine quills for the thousands of years she's been working. His are still sharp. In the center of the cave is a roaring fire that has been burning for just as long as the woman has lived there, thousands and thousands of years. And over the fire is a clay pot, the kind her peoples used before the others brought iron kettles to her land. Boiling inside is a soup called wojapi, made of berries. It is bright red, sweet, and comforting and it has boiled in the pot for as long as the fire has roared. Every now and then, the old woman sets down her blanket strip and porcupine quills and walks to the pot to stir the berry soup. She is thousands of years old, remember, so it takes her a while to take those few steps. But every time, the moment her back is turned on the blanket strip she's been working on, the large black dog leans over to the strip and starts pulling out the porcupine quills, one by one, so very quietly. 
He pulls out as many as he can while she stirs the soup. This way, she never accomplishes her work. The quill work remains unfinished. It is said amongst the Lakota people that if the old woman ever finishes her quill work, the moment the very last porcupine quill is threaded and the design is complete, the world will come to an end. For those of us who have grown up in a Protestant-dominated nation such as the United States, this is a strange vision for the end of the world. An old woman threading porcupine quills for a blanket strip. She sits in a cave, stirs her soup, and continues her quill work. It's quiet. It's a simple final chapter for our world. It feels homey and warm in some way. It reminds us of sitting in front of a hearth on a winter evening in a cabin, a dog curled up in front of the fire, the snow falling, reading from a book while the matriarch of the family knits a new blanket for a grandchild. It's a cup of tea as you watch the leaves turn to brilliance in autumn. It's the family stew in the crock pot that greets you after a busy day of work. It's a simple ending, and in this story, it never comes. For many of us, the story is so far removed from what we have heard in myths and legends about the end of the world. Where is the weeping and gnashing of teeth? Where's the lake of fire, the brimstone? Where's the four horsemen of the apocalypse? There isn't even a hint of the modern-day doomsayers who continue to convince thousands of people time and time again to sell all their belongings and travel the country, shrieking, repent, repent. It's just an old Lakota elder and her quill work. It is indeed gentle. But as with any indigenous wisdom, there is more to the story than we hear. There are symbols and elements of this story that tell us what is really happening here and what we can learn in this moment. How about that dog? Anyone who has ever had a dog that waits for you to turn your back so it can steal food off the counter knows exactly what is happening here. My dog has been known to do this whenever we've had any baked goods on the counter. Forget meat. My Rottweiler loves blueberries and scones. <laughs> but think about that giant black dog in our story here, sneaking to that blanket strip and pulling off the porcupine quills one by one. One need not look far or dig too deep to see that for the Lakota people, they believe in a great spirit named Heoka, who often appears as a dog. And Heoka has one role in this world to act contrary to the will of the people. So you might ask, is the will of the old woman in the story to end the world? But we must dive deeper into the story. We don't often weave or create blanket strips these days, though those of you that are knowledgeable in the craft will know what they are. Maybe you have made some. A blanket strip for the Lakota was a beaded strip of hide that covered the seams of a large buffalo hide blanket. It covered the seam and made the blanket whole. It made it one. It united the two halves. It adorned two separate pieces with ornate brilliance. And it was a work of deep patience to thread the strip one quill or bead at a time, 
thousands upon thousands of them. Some of you see where this story is going, though. But we'll still dig a little deeper. <clears throat> For many indigenous tribes on Turtle Island, the continent of North America, the end of the world was not an end. David Korchene, an Anishinaabe elder from Manitoba, reminds us that the end of the world for indigenous North Americans can be, as he says, understood to be that we are given an opportunity to put an end to our negative behaviors and a return to indigenous values. So there you have it. The story clicks into place. The old woman is weaving and beating, not destruction, but the promise of human beings worldwide reconnecting with the earth, ending our destruction of the planet, and remembering we are fundamentally interconnected with everything. So what of the dog? What of the spirit that acts counter to the hopes of the woman and pulls off the quills? There's another symbol for us to remember. It's not just a giant dog, it's a giant black dog. And for the Lakota, Black means honor, respect, and adulthood. I'll let you come to a conclusion of your own, but I suspect we are being told from the, this wisdom tale that we are not yet ready to be a unified whole, that there is more stirring to be done in the pot, more wrinkles to be earned on our skin, more sitting by the hearth and painstakingly continuing to thread our hopes and dreams. I love the stories given to us uh, by the Native Americans, in this case, the Lakota. In many instances, they speak to an ethic of living that we would do well to adopt. In the case of what you just heard, when you learn the images and symbols and what this story means, you kind of want the world to end, right? <laughs> you want the old woman to finish the quill work because it means we have reconnected with the earth and put an end to what divides us. But the story also asks of us important questions. Are we the woman in the story? Or are we the dog pulling off the quills? Are the choices we are making in our lives pushing us to greater wholeness and health in ourselves and in the world? Or are we delaying that wholeness? Those are huge questions to ask. <laughs> but there's one more question to ask. How do we turn a story such as this one with all of its symbols and layered meanings, how do we even turn the questions I just asked of us about wholeness and health? How do we use this story to enter into the next moment and do something? Because that is the real challenge of any wisdom tale, any mythology, any story we tell around home and hearth and communities such as this. What are you going to do with it? How will you carry it with you? How will it transform you and the world around you? Unitarian Universalists have a well-deserved reputation. It's neither good nor bad, it just is. But we are often seen as a people that are very busy taking on all of the problems of the world. And if you've ever been to our national gathering every year, you leave convinced that we you use will be the ones to fix everything. <laughs> We're going to do it. We are going to do it. You have to appreciate the passion our values inspire. And you would hope they inspire some passion, because if not, I would wonder why someone would say yes to them in the first place. But one critique that I think is worthy is that UUs are often stuck in the past, 
or forever dwelling in what does not yet exist. Either or has their unique problems. The past can freeze us in place and prevent us from having the grace to forgive, to heal, and to move on. And the future, well, it never turns out how we envisioned, and we find disappointment again and again. I think back to the story we just heard, and I wonder if it really is just about the eternal now, the present, this moment right here and now. The old woman has been working for thousands of years, and the dog keeps pulling off the quills when she's not working, but she carries on. She does her work, quill after quill, and she is present. She never complains about where she started or where she is hoping to end up. She just keeps up her steady pace. Many of us would like to see the world as we know it come to an abrupt end, only for a new bright future to emerge. Who knows? It might happen one day. But to get there, we need to keep working, quill after quill. I know sometimes it can feel like we aren't doing enough, that we cannot possibly address the problems of some distant shore or even down the street we live on. We feel there is an expectation that we will single-handedly save the world, that we will both walk on the earth and touch the sky, if you can ever accomplish that. And yet, is that not possible with one small act every single day? Quill after quill, time and time again. Is it not enough to just do something here and now? I hate to say this, but you cannot save the Maldives from sinking but you can start recycling after years of not doing so. You can eat ethically. You can choose sustainably. You can lobby lawmakers. You can call them out to adopt policies that will save future generations from the havoc that is about to be wrought upon the world. You cannot bring about lasting world peace today, but you can have a conversation with someone whose politics you disagree with. You can withhold the middle finger from the person who cut you off. You can choose compassion for the distressed store clerk that doesn't say hello or how are you to you today. We can't end racism, homophobia, or sexism, or any oppression amongst us today. But we can commit ourselves to be truly welcoming here and now with those around us. We can reach out to those who are standing by themselves during coffee hour to say hello to our neighbor, even if they are someone that doesn't look like our normal friends. We can greet people authentically. Congratulations, you're all the welcome committee today. (laughs) It all adds up. And sometimes it feels like no progress has been made, but it has. And that is perhaps the one idealistic, lofty hope that I will preach. That good will endure, and any good can change the world. Quill after quill, and don't forget to stir the soup. Annie Dillard in our reading exhorts us, go into the gaps. If you can find them, they shift and vanish too. Stalk the gaps. Squeak into a gap in the soil, turn and unlock more than a maple, but the universe. This is how you spend the afternoon and tomorrow morning and tomorrow afternoon. Spend the afternoon. You can't take it with you. How will you spend this coming moment? How will you add a quill 
to the great work of mending our world. Blessed be.